Option podcast back, getting you ready for week four in the NFL. I'm going to let you guys know right now, this is going to be easily the shortest pod I've ever done. Less than 20 minutes. We're going to rip through these games. I am about uh, two hours away from having to board an airplane right now. So uh, three hours. I cut myself a little short. So um, I got to rip through these. We weren't able to get everyone together in the same time. I got some crazy work stuff going on. So this is rapid fire. All right. First thoughts. We're going to start with Monday night games and then we're going to jump in. Number one, impressive performance by the Bengals. Joe Burrow looks beat up and banged up. That calf is severely slowing them down, but they still found a way to win. I thought all in all was an impressive game. Trey Hendrickson was the story in that game, right? Going into the game, it's obviously Burrow. That big headline is going to be Burrow playing on injury, risking them, potentially going you know, getting hurt. But as Joe Burrow said himself, he was like the, the, the threat of going 0-3 was there. So he was always going to play. So shout out to Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. But Trey Hendrickson was the story of this game. Absolutely dominated top to bottom. He is one of the most underappreciated and under talked about edge rushers in the league. When they got him from New Orleans and they gave up uh, Carl Lawson, a lot of people thought it was kind of a, hey, you know, you have one here and you let Carl Lawson go, but you're going to Bring in Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson has proven himself to be an elite level pass rusher. And he doesn't get the credit he deserves there. I mean, obviously you talk about Sam Hubbard and some of the guys in the interior there for Cincinnati, but this is a whole nother beast. So um, Trey Hendrickson having that outside pressure with really good interior defensive linemen makes that defensive line as good as it is. Uh, Obviously you look at this Rams team. I mean, at some point, like it was going to catch up to him, uh, Puka was not going to continue to rip off games like this forever, uh, though he did have a chance to get into the end zone. Matt Thrafford, Matt Stafford underthrew him. Didn't matter. The Rams ended up getting into the end zone anyway on that drive. But a couple of big turnovers on defense was the big storyline in that game. The Bengals go on to win. Philly and uh, Tampa Bay. This was the first sign of, like, confidence uh, out of this Eagles team in terms of, like, they can get to where they were last year. All right, with all the turnover that they had, losing to both coordinators, it was ridiculous of us to think it was going to come in and be this like immediately back to what they were in the playoffs last year. But they're getting there, right? They're not there now, but they're getting there. The defensive front, I mean, Jalen Carter, he had his game on Monday night. It was the highest rated uh, performance, according to PFF, by an interior defensive lineman since Aaron Donald in 2021. All right, Jalen Carter played better on Monday night, according to Pro Football Focus, than any interior defensive lineman played all of last season. That is absurd for a rookie in his third game at arguably one of the hardest positions to come in and be really effective as a rookie. He's got one and a half sacks through three games. He's constantly disruptive. He stops the run. He generates pass rushes. The forced fumble play was absurd. A, he took on a double team and allowed Fletch to go one-on-one on an interior bull rush. Takes both of the guys. Fletch beats his guy. Jalen Carter beats both of those guys. They force a sack, and they forced a fumble on that play. Unfortunately for the Eagles, Tampa Bay recovers it. But just turn around on the very next play, what happens? Run to the or pass the outside. Run to the outside. Don't remember exactly what the play call was because I was too focused on the fact that Jalen Carter turned around, flipped his hips, went from being a pass rush mode 
bull rush mode, trying to stop the runner pass again. I can't remember. Turn around, chase down the receiver, punch the ball out. Like he's freaking Charles Tillman. I mean, just an unbelievable play. Uh, Jalen Carter is freaking ridiculous. And not to be like, because everyone's talking about Jalen Carter. Jordan Davis is a monster. Like this is what the Eagles thought they were getting with him when they drafted him in the first round last year. Those two together is I don't know. You can't run on this team. The Eagles haven't allowed a rush of more than 12 yards all season. They look really, really good, really strong up front. The secondary with the injury to Avante Maddox done for the year with the torn pec, they slide James Bradbury into the slot. They put Josh Job on the outside primarily. They also brought Sidney Brown in, the rookie. He played some slot. He made a really, really nice play, so that way Bradbury could still play on the outside. Outside of a couple of little penalties there on Job, I thought overall he played pretty well considering it was his first NFL start. Um, it was his first start. I think he did play a game last year. But, um, you know, first opportunity was like, hey, this guy's going to play real minutes for us all season due to the Avante Maddox injury. Slay on the other side doing a really good job. Um, as a whole, I thought the Eagles' defense looked really, really, really good offensively, you know, Jalen and AJ Brown said afterwards that they both felt sick. They both weren't in the best of uh, health going into this game in terms of, you know, like legitimate being sick, not just um, in the way that, you know, you might talk about it in terms of like, Oh, like he's hurt or injured. It's like, no, he was legitimately just really sick. Um, So uh, you got to give a ton of credit to this team. Um, They played exceptionally good football and I mean, I mean, Jalen Hurts, despite the injuries, despite not feeling or not injuries, despite feeling sick, he made some big throws. They got A.J. Brown active early in Austin often, which is exactly what they needed to do to keep, you know, to get his juices flowing. He had a big day, fourth most career yards uh, in a game as an eagle for A.J. Brown, 132, 138. Sorry, still hasn't gotten in the end zone, but uh, as a whole, the offense and the passing game is starting to come along Uh Jalen with an absolutely incredible throw to Alameda Zacchaeus uh, on that deep crosser, that late crosser where he's sitting in the pocket. He sees it. He knows he's going to be there. His internal clock is like, dude, you're about to get smashed. And he released it, got hit as he threw, but still put enough on it, feathered it over the top, hit him in stride. That was a huge play. Um, I was talking to an Eagles fan yesterday, and actually it reminded me a lot of the Minnesota game on Monday night last year where everyone thinks that game is an absolute ass-kicking um, and it was, but the score of that game was like 20 to three, right? So we're looking at this. The, yes, the Bucs had that garbage time touchdown. The Eagles had plenty of opportunities to score. They were not super sharp in the red zone, but they will get there. Um, Bucks fans crying about the tush push. People are going to cry about this play forever. I'm sick of it. I don't want to talk about it. Maybe we'll go in depth about it next week when I have more time. I can do a rant, but it's a legal play. The rules committee, it's been a rule since 2005. The rules committee looked at it this year, said it's still a good play. Every team in the NFL can learn how to do this. And that's the thing. It's like, well, everyone can do this. Not everyone can do this, actually. It's a really hard play to execute. And the Eagles practice it in order to be able to use it in games in key situations. And it works almost every single time. And that's what, you know, the, I think the Bucks stopped it once. And then the Eagles turned around, did it immediately right again. Um, all around the best game of the season the Eagles have played. And the scary part is, is that the passing game still isn't that great. And there's still a couple holes in that, uh, that defense as well. When they really start to click offensively and Brian Johnson starts to get into a groove, because I thought this was the best game that he called so far, uh, this team is going to be frightening by how good they are. So um, that's all I got in the Monday night games. So let's jump into our picks against the spread here. Again, we're going rapid fire. I will give you my favorites as we continue as we go along. Um, 
Really good slate of games. I'm very excited about it. So let's jump in. Up first, Lions at Green Bay Thursday night football. Um, by the way, I'm recording this on Wednesday uh, at just about noon. So uh, keep that in mind. If any injury stuff comes out, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm working with what I got so far. So Lions at Packers. Right now, the Lions are a one-point favorite in Lambeau. I like the Lions in this game. All right. I think Detroit is a really good football team. And although there were, uh, you know, there's been some signs throughout this year that, you know, maybe they're not fully there yet. It's starting to come together. They have the big opening week game, a letdown game week two. They come back last week, win a game against a really solid defense in Atlanta. We saw Green Bay and Atlanta play to a one score or one point game in week two. I think Detroit's the all around better team. I think the receivers are better. Uh, obviously Green Bay is hoping to have Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. I think that might affect how I feel about this game overall, because the only time we've seen Aaron Jones play with Jordan Love, he's been really, really good. And that offense looked a lot better. I think that will continue to look better if Aaron Jones is back. Christian Watson still hasn't played yet this year. So he's another guy that if he comes in, what's the difference he's going to make? I, I, I get the arguments all in all. I, I think Detroit's a better football team. I know Green Bay is going to come out with an extra chip on their shoulder based off of what happened last year. That's understandable. That's what you would expect, right? I still think Detroit overcomes that. I think Jared Goff's playing really good football, some of the best of his career. I'm taking Green Bay. Sorry, I'm taking Detroit minus one. Up next, we have Washington at Philly. All right, the Eagles hosting this game. They're eight-point favorites in this game at home. Sam Howell's on, on record pace right now to be the most sacked quarterback in NFL history. Not a lot of people are talking about that when we take a look at what this uh, Washington team's done so far because they've been frisky, right? Two and one. They haven't played a defensive line like this. And while I respect the hell out of Washington's defensive line, they haven't had to play an offensive line as good as the Eagles. All right. I don't think Washington's going to be able to stop the ball on the ground. I think this is a good game for the Eagles to start to air it out a little bit because we've proven that you can throw on this defense when the Bucks are so when the, uh, the Broncos, even with Russell Wilson, were still able to push the ball a little bit on them. And obviously we saw what Josh Allen and the, uh, the Bills did to them last week. It's a lot of points to cover. And normally I don't like picking the Eagles when they're heavy favorites, but I'm going to take Philly here. All right. I think Jalen Hurts is due for a big bust out game. When the ever the Eagles play Washington early in the season, it seems like they always get the better of them. I think we're going to see that here in week four. I like the Eagles minus eight Atlanta at Jacksonville. Jacksonville needs a bounce back game. All right. Atlanta, they didn't have any expectations coming in. The fact that they're two and oh start now they're two and one is above average for what we thought they were going to be. Defensively, we know that defense is good, right? So this is not an easy task for Jacksonville to come out. The three-point favorites in this game. The offense has looked a little discombobulated. They should be getting their left tackle back this week, which should help. They've been able to run the ball pretty well. Um, but if you are Jacksonville, you need to see Trevor Lawrence take a step up. And I, I really want to take Jacksonville in this game. All right. I thought last week there was going to be a bounce back game. They looked like shit against Houston. All right. You lose a tight game to Kansas City that you think you have a chance in. That's the you know, that's a that's a bummer. But you're playing Patrick Mahomes. You're playing Kansas City like you expect those games to be tough. You get your doors blown off by the Houston Texans. With a rookie quarterback. That can't happen. And I know Dougie P's out there doing that. I've been disappointed with what I've seen through three weeks out of Desmond Ritter. I was hoping for a little bit more out of him. We're not going to see it, unfortunately. So uh, I'm going to take Jacksonville minus three here. I think the defense has looked better at times. But look, if they don't turn it around now and they start off one and three, that's a disastrous start for a team in Jacksonville who had very high expectations coming into the season. 
uh, I expect Jacksonville to get a bounce back win here and uh, and bring their records up to two and two. Miami and Buffalo. This is the game of the week. All right. Uh, the Dolphins coming off of a 70 point performance are two and a half point underdogs in Buffalo. I said this on uh, the podcast we released earlier in the week with me and Vito. Not saying Miami's performance was incredible. Obviously, that performance is unbelievable. Tua has been unbelievable. That whole offense is unbelievable. I totally get it. Buffalo is going to be a really, really good defense. All right. And when we've, it's going to be one of the first really, really good defenses they played. And when they played New England, which I also believe is a really good defense, Miami struggled a little bit. All right. Jalen Waddle's still up in the air whether he's going to play. You might be able to get away with that against. Uh, Denver, you're not going to be able to get away with that, I think, against Buffalo, because I think Josh Allen's going to be able to push the ball against this offense. All right, quietly, the last two weeks, Buffalo has looked really good on offense. They can run the ball now consistently with that three-headed monster. I don't even know if you can call it a three-headed monster, but at least a three-headed backfield. Uh, James Cook, uh, Lata- uh, Latavius Murray, and um, I almost said Devin Singletary. Uh, and uh, – I'm blanking on the third that they brought in uh, in free agency. I know Naheem Hines there as well, as well but um, the most surprising player I think for Buffalo so far this year has been Gabe Davis, who um, is starting to look like the player that they gave that contract to. And look, when he gets on a tear with, with touchdowns, like obviously he can beat you deep, but he's doing it on these deep crossers. He's finding a way to create separation. And only, the only thing that does is make Stefan Diggs' life 10 times easier. Dalton Kincaid's getting a lot of targets. I feel like, Buffalo as a whole is going to be like, hey, I know everyone's talking about Miami. You know, and a lot of people are going to see this line and say, hey, you're giving Miami two and a half points after this, after what they did last week. I get it. I get it. And look, if Miami comes out and blows the doors off of Buffalo, we'll have a different conversation on Monday and I'll, I'll eat all the crow that you want to serve me. But I really like Buffalo in this game. I think the Bills find a way to win it. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo minus two and a half. All right. Next up, we have. Sorry. Uh, Denver at Chicago, the exact opposite of the game we were just talking about right now. The Broncos are a three and a half point favorite, and I'm going to take the Broncos plus three and a half. Um, to me, like I, I want to see more of Justin Fields, but we saw a little bit more of Justin Fields and they looked even worse. And again, they were playing Kansas City in Kansas City, the Taylor Swift game, all that shit. I totally get it. Denver hasn't been as bad as Chicago so far. So you're taking the worst of two evil eagle uh, evils. I know the defense is really bad uh, for Denver and has been so far, and especially last game proves it. That team got embarrassed. And if you have any sort of fucking backbone as a human, you are going to bounce back with a much stronger performance after a team just laid 70 points on you. So give me Denver minus three and a half on the road in Chicago. Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. The Browns are two and a half point favorites in this game. That feels about right. I'm very worried about Baltimore's ability to move the football in this game. I think Cleveland's going to be able to grind out some ugly drives, get in the end zone once or twice, be able to kick a few field goals. And I think that's going to give them a distinct advantage because so far this Cleveland defense is absolutely historically fucking awesome. And they are super fun to watch. Miles Garrett on the outside. Ronnie Stanley's been banged up who, you know, even if you have Ronnie Stanley in there, you, you have to give him help chipping with a tight end, chipping with a wide receiver, chipping with a running back. Um, I was very disheartened by the way Baltimore looked. I know they're dealing with a million injuries, which is why I feel like this line is way too close um, of a line. I know it's divisional. I know it's Lamar Jackson, uh, but I'm going to take the Browns here. um, Despite the fact that I really don't want to, Uh, I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns minus two and a half at home. Pittsburgh at Houston. All right. Houston coming off a really, really big win. Their first big win of the year. 
look on the other side, Pittsburgh, they're coming off, they're winning their division. They're a three-point favorite on the road. Pittsburgh's defense is legit. Uh, CJ Stroud has not had to go up against a pass rusher like TJ Watt, who's leading the league in sacks right now. He's been getting the ball out fast, but I really like this Pittsburgh defense. I think they're going to cause some problems for Houston offensively. The question is, can Pittsburgh build on any of the momentum that they had on Monday or on Sunday night with their offense, which looked better, but still not great. Like I said before, earlier in the week, I don't love that there's more Matt Canada involvement in this offense. So I am going to take Pittsburgh in this game. However, I think the defense gets to them. I think a young team coming off of a big win against the team that you were heavy underdogs against. It feels like a little bit of a letdown game. So I like Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's going to have that team ready road favorites. I normally don't love this many road underdogs uh, or home dogs to go by, but I'm I'm going to take um, the Steelers here because I think they're the better football team top to bottom. And I think the pass rush is really going to be able to start to unsettle CJ Stroud. Again, rookie quarterback, no picks through three starts, playing as good as any rookie quarterback we've seen through three games. That's He's going to hit roadblocks at some point, and I think going up against an elite pass rusher like T.J. Watt is a pretty prime opportunity for that to happen. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus three. Minnesota at Carolina. Carolina, another home underdog. Right now it's three and a half, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm taking Carolina. All right. Andy Dalton's still likely to play. Even if Bryce Young plays, I still like the defense here. So far, what we've seen is Justin Jefferson is getting his, and that's the only way that Minnesota can move the football. And if you were able to bracket coverage, Justin Jefferson, make sure there's always somebody there. He still has only scored one touchdown so far this year. The rest of this Minnesota offense is bad. The defense is not particularly good. I do think Carolina can at least try to run the ball a little bit. And we just saw Andy Dalton throw for 350 yards this past weekend. I think Carolina is due for a win in this game. Three and a half point underdogs. It might seem stupid. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I wouldn't blame you for being like, really, dude, you're going to take Carolina. I'm going to take Carolina. I think Carolina is a better fo- is not necessarily the better football team, but I don't like what I've seen out of Minnesota so far. And I think the defense is going to do enough to make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. And the game plan all weekend is going to be specifically about Justin Jefferson, because as long as you slow down Justin Jefferson, there was a lot of Jordan Addison hype so far. He hasn't been able to be much of a factor in this Minnesota offense because the offensive line has been really, really bad in front of them. They haven't been able to run the ball. So teams know exactly what's coming. And that's a testament to how brilliant Justin Jefferson is that he's averaging 152 yards a game through three weeks without an offensive line, without a running back. And with his second wide receiver being a rookie, Justin Jefferson is a monster, but he, as a wide receiver, can't win it all himself. I'm going to take Carolina plus the three and a half. Rams at Indy. Rat line here. Stay away. Rams at Indy. Indy's minus one. All right. At home. I feel like the Rams have been pretty good. All right. They're playing some pretty good teams pretty closely. Why Indy's only a one point favorite is really concerning to me. And it makes me scared because I looked at this and my immediate reaction was like, oh, my God, Rams all day. Give me the Rams. And, and, and I'm never looking back. But why is that line so low? Why is it a why are they a one point underdog in the road on the road in Indy when even if it's Anthony Richardson, I still like the Rams better. And if it's Gardner Minshew, I still like the Rams better. I know Indy just had a big win against Baltimore, but I don't expect this team to be this way week in and week out. I am going to take the Rams in this game. Uh, I think the Rams feel like they let one slip away against the, the Bengals last week on Monday night. So I'm going to take the Rams plus one, but I'm telling you, this line scares me because this feels like a what does Vegas know that we don't know. That being said, 
I also took the Dolphins as a minus six and a half point favorite when we all thought that line should have been way better, bigger. And they won by 50, literally 50. So I'm going to take the Rams, but it does smell like a rat line. Uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Saints are minus three in this game. Uh, this is going to be a, a really tough game to watch because I just don't think there's a ton of entertainment value here. The Saints, uh, they've shown some flashes, but we're going to see Jameis in this game against Baker Mayfield. Um, I'll tell you what, like Baker played pretty well. He just was complete. He was playing against a team that was completely outclassed in the defensive line that was completely ruining his day. I still think Baker's actually playing pretty well. He was a little late on some throws, but when he was in rhythm, in timing, they were able to get the ball out. I still think Tampa Bay is going to struggle to run the football in this game, but this feels to me like a final kick. Um, the Saints have owned the Bucs. Even when Tom Brady was there, the Saints have owned the Bucs. Um, but I like Baker. I like what they've seen. I feel like they're going to snap back. That Eagles game is either going to be like, oh, the Bucs were a fun story when they were 2-0 and and then they lost seven straight, or it's going to be like the Bucs bounced back in a really good game. That defense is really good. They're banged up in the secondary. Minus three seems tough. I'm back and forth. It feels like it's going to be like New Orleans wins, but I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Mm. Unless Jameis. You know what? No, I'm going to take New Orleans. I'm going to go with our boy Vito, and I'm going to – because Jameis is going to come in and just sling the fucking rock around in a way that Derek Carr wasn't. Um, and I believe Alvin Kamara comes back in this game. So – defensively the saints are really good defensively the, the bucks are really good who are you believing in Jameis in a first game back first start since last year he just has these games sometimes where he just blows it up i'm gonna take new orleans minus the three cincinnati at tennessee right now the Bengals are a two-point favorite on the road you gotta expect that cincinnati's uh you know that joe burrow and that team's gonna look better joe burrow's gotta be healthier again you would hope but again monday night game less opportunity for recovery less you know rehab stuff um that being said though tennessee's offense is putrid their offense andre dillard's gonna get eaten alive by trey hendrickson uh i think cincinnati's defense is, is gonna really 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 shut down tennessee so i don't think it's gonna take a lot i like since he pl- uh since he minus the two um in uh tennessee uh raiders and chargers chargers are five and a half point favorite this game could get really weird and ugly because that's what the chargers seem to do mike williams torn acl he is done for the year um austin eckler hopefully will be back in this game five and a half is a weird number i'm sticking on the bandwagon that i i I don't think the chargers are a very good team i know they have all these names and all this talent but i just i don't see it and i know the raiders looked all right, in week one, kind of played it close in week two until the uh, in the first quarter until the Bills absolutely blew them out. And then obviously they didn't look great last week either. I'm still going to take them though, um, and that might be a mistake. Maybe this is the get right game, um, but five and a half. Uh, it, it's so far it's the biggest spread well, other than the Philly game, but there's only a few left that are bigger than them. Um, I'm going to take the points on the road for the Raiders. Um, Jimmy G finds ways to win football games, man. Like that's what he does. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit closer. Devonta Adams has actually looked pretty good and the charger secondary is horse shit. So I actually think the the Raiders are going to be able to score a little bit more points in this game than people think. Uh, New England at Dallas. Dallas is a seven point favorite. This does feel like a bounce back game for Dallas where Dak comes out and throws it a million times and they beat them by like 30, but also New England's defense is really, really good. I don't see how New England scores any points in this game. Um, not any points, but enough to, to contain and to hang with Dallas. Cause I think Dallas is still going to find the end zone at least two or three times. 
mixed in with a couple of field goals here and there. I'm going to take Dallas. Uh, I don't feel great about it because I do love that New Orleans, that New England defense. Um, but Mac Jones has been really bad this year, and those wide receivers are bad. And I know the secondary, and there's injuries on the on the defense or in the offensive line for Dallas. They're missing three other starters. That's obviously a huge loss. But at the same time, I don't see how New England scores points in this game. So I'm going to take Dallas minus seven. Uh, Arizona at San Francisco. Can Arizona cover two double-digit spreads two weeks in a row? They're 3-0 and against the spread. Can they do it again? No, they cannot. San Francisco is going to body them in this game. All right, at some point, the wheels are going to come off for this team. There's not enough talent there. I know they've been playing really hard, and Josh Dobbs, he's good. It's this whole story. San Francisco is just fucking loaded. The one thing you're worried about here is a backdoor cover, right? Does Is, is it, you know, 24 to 10, you know, going into the fourth quarter, and uh, next thing you know, Arizona finds a way to, to score a point here or there. Um, San Francisco is going to continually bully teams. Um, their offensive line has really impressed me, and that's the one thing I, I – did not think that they were going to be good at this year. I thought it might be their Achilles heel so far. It's been a strength of theirs. Um, I, I think the only, again, the only chance that they get into trouble here is if Brock Purdy, you know, the, the, the turns back into a pumpkin, right. You know, he's starting to turn the ball over, not getting the ball out quick. I don't think we're going to see that. So I'm going to take San Francisco here minus the 14, uh, two more games, Kansas city at the jets. The jets are a nine and a half point underdog to the chiefs. Um, Look, I, we've seen the Jets' defense as good as we think it can be. They're definitely not scoring points because Kansas City's defense is already in, like, playoff shape, which I did not see coming. Normally, the Steve Spagnola defenses, they, they build throughout the year. This is not going to be a close game. Nine and a half seems way low for me. I'm going to take Kansas City here. I think Kansas City wins the game comfortably. And lastly, we have Giants hosting the Seahawks. This is even money, all right? I went into the season think the Giants were going to be a playoff team. I went into the season thinking that they could be as high as the five seed. Uh, I was wrong. This team is not good. The offensive line is banged up. Saquon's out. The wide receiver additions have not helped. Daniel Jones is still the quarterback. The defense has taken a step back. They had to try to blitz 83% of the time in their last game. That did not work out well against the 49ers. Uh, the Giants are not a good football team. They just aren't. And Seattle, I think, is a good football team. I think they had their their speed bump, but they've come back with impressive wins against the Lions. They won last week against Carolina, which is a good defense, and they were able to move the ball. I think Carolina has a better defense than the Giants. So if Seattle is able to put up 30-plus points against Carolina, I can only imagine what they'll be able to do on Sunday night. I love Geno. I love this offense. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Kenneth Walker has been really, really good second in the league in touchdowns so far from the running back position. Uh I like uh, Seattle here to win outright, and you're getting even money. So uh, all you need is Seattle win, or you're getting even odds. It's a pick them. So uh, all you got to do is have them win. All right, that's all we got. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. Like I said, this was going to be a speedy podcast. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Uh, We will be back. I land on Monday morning. I will do my best to do all my homework and everything on the plane ride back to get caught up from whatever games I miss on Sunday. Uh, to make sure we can bring you guys a really good podcast on Monday night. So um, for the boys, I'm Jeff. Scotty, he's traveling back uh, today as well. We love you, buddy. Get back safe. Everybody have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will talk to you guys on Monday, Tuesday. Take it easy.